Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 11 of Hello, Fellow Kids. How you doing today, Mara? I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, this month, we read The View from Saturday by E.L. Konigsberg, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Yes. I had a mouthful of tea. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this like you? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of it? I gave it four stars on Goodreads. Okay. I actually read reviews for it first before reading it, and uh-huh. there was a lot of like, one star, this was terrible, this was so confusing, I could not follow this, this was blah, 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 blah. But like, I don't know if I would have liked it if I'd been a child reading it, like, because it's not told in a linear fashion. There's a lot of like, go back to this, and then like, kind of complicated relationships for like, how everything ties together. But it, everything does indeed tie together, which is something I really like. And I kind of like when things are told out of order, and I've read enough books that do that that, I don't know, it didn't bother me. So, yeah, yeah, I thought it was charming. I liked it. Did you hate it? Do we disagree? No, I, do, I didn't hate it, but I honestly can't tell how I feel about it. And this is the first time that I've explicitly waited to review a book until after we talk about it. Because a lot of the time my opinion will shift a little bit as we discuss things and I get more into it. Mm-hmm. This is going to be anywhere between two and four stars for me, and I really can't tell. Wow. I liked a ton of little things about it, but I don't know if I liked the whole of it. So, uh, first of all, very quick summary. Don't read the back of the book if you're going to... Yeah. Besides the fact that it spoils the ending. Does it? I didn't yeah. read it. I mean... Because I never read the back. Since we're talking about the book in its entirety, I'm okay with spoiling it, but it's about four kids competing in an academic bowl, and at the end of the story they win, but it says that they win on the back of the book. It does? Yeah. How did this unlikely foursome become even unlikelier champions? Well, I mean, they get to the finals. It doesn't necessarily say that they win. Yeah, but you're not finals. a champion if you get to the finals. You're a champion but if you win the finals. they beat the 8th graders. Which is cool, but don't read the back of this. I mean, you either read it or you're about to get spoiled, because yeah. you're going to hear us talk about the whole thing, but... Right, then I guess read the back all you want. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> you do you. You follow your bliss. So, quick summary here. The lives of four 6th graders... Factual Noah, Proud Nadia, Quiet Ethan, and Clever Julian intersect through family ties and happenstance. Through Saturday afternoon tea and the becoming of an academic bowl team run by Mrs. Alinsky, they change each other's lives. Which is super generic, but it's better than the back of this. Yeah. Yeah, so she was talking about characters having vignettes. How the story is structured is all of the numbered chapters follow Mrs. Alinsky watching the Academic Bowl finals and thinking about how she formed the team and how they got to that point. But interspersed between the first four of those chapters are pretty detailed vignettes of each of the four characters from their perspectives. And they show us how each character thinks and how they start to tie in together. Yeah. Uh, Did you read the the back? How she wrote it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, where she was just like, oh yeah, I got these like different short stories going. And she's like, wait i can link these all together yeah she, and she did if it works i think that's a really cool way to do things yeah and it worked in this case mm-hmm. other other cases this is like why these ideas do not right together? <laughs> <laughs> you end up with a mess like tunnels <laughs> all right so chapter one uh we are in a sort of roundabout way introduced to mrs alinsky who is in charge of epiphany new york's middle school academic bowl team made entirely of sixth graders for the first time ever in the history of the academic bowl uh the team who call themselves the souls are in the final round of the bowl and are competing against four eighth graders from maxwell epiphany's noah gershom buzzes in to answer the first question regarding calligraphy and that feeds into 
Noah writes a B and B letter. Noah Gershom recently stayed with his grandparents in Retirement Land, Florida. Uh, <laughs> it's called Century Village, but it's just like this big, cute community of old people. Yeah, <laughs> I just figured it was like some like like a shag housing or something where they all live. <laughs> Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, recently stayed with his grandparents in Century Village while his parents went on a cruise. And his mother wants him to write a letter thanking them for letting him stay. Noah is a very practical boy, and he's not keen to write the letter since it wasn't his idea to go in the first place, and he has nothing to show for the trip. And then while brainstorming ideas of what to write in the letter, we get his experience. Two of the seniors in Century Village, Margaret Draper and Izzy Diamondstein, are getting married, so the Gershams, along with most of the village, help prepare. Noah learns calligraphy from a former bookkeeper, the precise Tilly Nachman, and helps prepare invitations. Tilly's cat leaves inky prints on some of the invitations, so Noah puts post-it notes in those ones and says that they're eligible for a prize at the wedding. Noah receives a new red wagon and uses it to transport supplies. While transporting the wedding cake via wagon, because it was too tall to fit in the car, uh, Izzy's grown son, the woefully nervous divorcee Alan, trips over the wagon handle and beheads the cake, crushing the little bride and groom figures. <laughs> Since Alan's ankle is now broken, Noah volunteers to be the best man and goes to Bella Dablinski, a former artist, who helps turn a regular t-shirt into a tuxedo shirt via copious amounts of fabric paint. Fact, Nolan is a very good best man. <laughs> During the reception, Noah's presents and prizes... What? Noah presents the prizes that the paw print recipients can choose from. Noah's calligraphy supplies, Noah's post-it notes, Noah's tuxedo shirt, and Nolan's red wagon. The fifth prize is to give up your gift but the man who takes the post-its offers up one of his orchids as the fifth prize. The prizes are taken, but Alan refuses the red wagon, and the bride and groom decide it should stay behind as a gift to all the guests. Back in the real world, Noah has realized that just because he didn't end up with anything physical to show for the vacation doesn't mean he didn't get anything out of it. He prepares his calligraphy pen and begins the letter. I think Noah might be... The Josh? He's clearly the Josh. He's not my favorite character, but he's my favorite to read from the perspective of because of how, like, factual he is about everything. He, he starts a lot of sentences with fact and then explains what it is, <laughs> and I find that really amusing. I don't know. I just kind of pictured you and a little Dwight, Sh Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> my friend had a tuxedo shirt, and he wore that to all of the, uh, the formal things and stuff, and at first it was kind of funny. But then he was also our class president for four years running, and I was like, maybe you should invest in something a little more practical. <laughs> so that's what I was reminded of for that. And my mom taught calligraphy to a bunch of the kids in my <laughs> elementary school. Yeah, I, I thought this was the Noah was the Josh. And I also, I'm really glad we got the next story because I really, like the way Noah presents him, I really hated Izzy Diamondstein's son, Alan. Mm -hmm. Even though I've been. I will be going through a divorce because I'm only 12. And I can predict the future. <laughs> I can predict the future. But I feel like I was probably like this. Uh, or is it like Alan Diamondstein kept saying, isn't it ironic? My father's getting married just as I'm getting divorced. It's like, <laughs> it's not ironic. And also you're making everything uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Noah's like, this was not the greatest conversation starter in the world. <laughs> no one knew what to say after he said it. Some cleared their throats and said nothing. Others cleared their throats and changed the subject. <laughs> so 
the B and B letter, which I didn't explain in the summary, bread and butter. is bread and butter letter, which I'd never heard. Never before. heard that term. Absolutely ever. not. Maybe it's more like a like. Well, this is like upstate New York. Upstate, upstate New York in the nineties, yeah. I or mean, let's be real, it's probably like upstate New York in like the seventies, because it feels like every like young adult author is like ten to twenty years behind what actual kids are like. Right, which isn't always a problem, but some things that are there are almost no contractions in the dialogue in this. That drove me nuts. That kept it from being a five-star book. <laughs> and it, it just feels really, like, uncomfortable. But, so, his mom says to write a bread and butter letter, and he asks what a bread and butter letter is, and she says that it's a letter you write to people to thank them for having you as their house guest. And Noah says, I told her that I was taught never to use the word you're defining in its definition, and that she ought to think of a substitute word for letter if she is defining it, and that's so me. I get so frustrated. Yeah. That's why I was like, this is clearly... This is clearly the Josh of the story. <laughs> I like how the Joshes of the story are usually like good-natured people that are just a little bit neurotic. <laughs> like not enough to be yeah. super frustrating. What's my what's, what's the point? <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Fact. I'm neurotic. <laughs> Fact. But I don't ruin everyone else's life about it. <laughs> I don't think I have a lot to say about the show because I liked it least of all the stories. So yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to say about Noah. Yeah. I liked that he had specific terminology for the concepts of retirement and stuff. So when he's talking about all the retirees and what they did before they retired, he would say in a past life. In a, yeah. In a past life, uh, Mrs. Draper used to be a principal. Yeah. Like a middle school principal. Uh, and then he would talk about non-retirement communities being the real world. Mm-hmm. And that they were in some sort of like weird old people bubble yeah. that existed outside of that are like super into each other yeah like he kisses the bride and it like goes on for a while uh-huh. and he's like it was uncomfortable to watch but it wasn't bad <laughs> <laughs> where i'd be like gross <laughs> but i'm kind of like gross about anybody making out especially if you could hear it <laughs> so yes the irony of alan talking about the divorce at the wedding Noah says, I couldn't figure out what was ironic about Alan Diamondstein's getting divorced and Izzy Diamondstein's getting married. The way Alan Diamondstein acted, I can tell you that divorce would be the only possible thing you could expect from marriage to him. <laughs> I know, that was, that was like sick burn, kid. There, there were a few lines, most of them are actually from Alinsky, but there are a few lines that are just savage. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. fantastic. Wedding cakes are not baked as much as they are built, and I wrote, vote for Pedro. <laughs> Or cake. cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, like Tilly Nachman, who's like got bought like the exact amount of like envelopes and cards and was like, because I don't make mistakes. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, but your cat's an asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, of course, left the poppers on and she got super upset and Noah's was like, I got this. <laughs> that's the solution but um the the paw prints on that reminded me like cats have been doing this for hun- thousands of years like there's um illuminated manuscripts that some poor monk is trying to do <laughs> yes. and the effing cat you know how hard it was to get paper then you, you actually had to like squeeze berries and crap to make ink and this stupid cat walks <laughs> all over it and you know he broke his vow of science going damn it <laughs> So that's what it, what it reminded me of, and I was delighted by it. And I wouldn't have any needed a present. I would have been totally happy with a calligraphy. Uh, I knew you would have, yeah. With like a cat print on it. I'd be like, I'll go in my fridge. I'm keeping that. That cat's funny. <laughs> <laughs> cat's going places. Hey, Cheesy, you want to help us make some wedding invitations? <laughs> Don't talk to me. 
<laughs> Don't talk to him. Busy being a wooden duck. Yeah, let's just get on to Nadia's, and I think we'll yeah. have some more to... Nadia's is where it. I was like, this is it. I love this, because Nadia's me. Yeah. <laughs> you see that, too? Because Noah and Nadia, the way they, like, they bicker a lot. But <laughs> I like the way Julian said, like, it doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. It did at first, but then I realized that they, right. their hearts aren't in it, like, I love boom, you know, like, I'll punch you. <laughs> it's yeah. just how they interact. So chapter two is another quick insert of Mrs. Alinsky, who, I want to talk about this, uh, she recalls meeting with Dr. Romer, or mm-hmm. Romer mm-hmm. her superintendent, regarding her team's diversity. He is well-meaning, but doesn't quite grasp the concept. No. <laughs> and through his conversation with Mrs. Alinsky, we learn that she has some sort of physical disability. And then back in the tournament, redhead Nadia Diamondstein rings in <laughs> on a question about ocean ecology. And then Nadia tells of turtle love. When he says, like, weird crap like this, it's, like, the title of the little vignette. Yeah. Okay. It's not just Josh being weird. I I just wanted to make that clear. You're like, (laughs) Nadia, tells of turtle love. They're like, what the hell's wrong with him? (laughs) Why isn't Mara going, I quit the podcast? And then we just hear silence for a while. And then he keeps with his, like, synopsis and goes, what do you think? Cheese it. And you hear... That man, they liked it. Nadia is Izzy's granddaughter and Alan's daughter. Most of the year, she lives with her mother in Epiphany, where her mom works as a dental assistant for Nathan's father. Nadia was not at the wedding. Noah. But... Right. Sorry. Yeah, there's no Nathan in this story. No, there. It, it's Noah and Ethan. My brain would start to merge oh, them. gotcha. Yeah, too many white boys. Nadia was not at the wedding, but does go down to visit her family in Florida shortly after. Margaret does not seem particularly warm towards Nadia. Nadia has a dog named Ginger, who is a genius, and she is a much better friend than all of Nadia's old friends are. While in Florida, Nadia meets Ethan, Margaret's grandson, who also lives in Epiphany. Epiphany. I don't know if I like the name. Is that a real town? Did did any two of us look it up? up? Because I didn't. I thought that she named it that because of the nature of the story. Yeah. And that's fine. Just, it's a difficult word to make a location. It keeps throwing me off. Well, I mean, there's a sandwich in Illinois. And I think there's a town called Intercourse. (laughs) So, yeah, town names are weird. (laughs) While in Florida, Nadia meets Ethan, Margaret's grandson, who also lives in Epiphany. He seems alright. The grandparents, the grandkids, and Alan go on a turtle walk, wherein certified adults, like Izzy and Margaret, mark and, if necessary, move sea turtle nests to protect them. They bring home one... That had trouble hatching, so it can be rehabilitated and released. The family continues to spend time together, and Nadia notices that while Ethan is normally quiet, he has a lot more to say about movies and theater productions. One day, Nadia confronts Ethan about the fact that his family dentist is Dr. Gershom, and therefore he knew Nadia's mother before meeting Nadia. Furthermore, he explains that Margaret was the one who helped Nadia's mother find her job after the divorce. Nadia seems very frustrated that Ethan knew something about her, but didn't tell her and that she was never told anything about Ethan. Ethan asks if Margaret ever mentioned his brother Luke, which she had not, but he won't say why he asked. Realizing that Margaret has been meddling in her life by marrying her grandpa, relocating her mother, and now turning her father on to saving turtles, Nadia decides to never go on a turtle walk again. She tells her father this, and he decides the two of them should go to Disney World. 
However, a storm hits, and Izzy calls to ask them if they could come help rescue the turtles. Thinking about what she learned when doing a report on turtles last year, Nadia convinces Alan that they must go help. On the way to the beach, Nadia sees a parallel in how the turtles commute from northern water to southern water, and how she commutes between her two parents. It's not a perfect metaphor. Nadia's totally me, because she's fine on this vacation for a while, and then Ethan shows up. Well, I mean, she's not completely fine. She was clearly close to her grandmother, a booby, what was the name? I can't, I can't yeah. find it. But she was close to her grandmother who has passed, and he's married this fat blonde woman. <laughs> well, she kept using, like, the proper, like, Yiddish term for it, but, um... Clearly, she, she kept making, like, little remarks, like, she wore a green bathing suit, and she looked like a Granny Smith apple. <laughs> oh my gosh, when she talks about, like, the, like, yes. I don't remember if it's, like, pantsuits or tracksuits or whatever, but she talks about the coloring of that, and it's so... Oh yeah, it's, like, um, mauve or something, or, no, teal. She's, like, people who, like, they shouldn't wear that, those colors, or the, whatever, but, um... I'll find it at some point, but go Anyway, ahead. like, yeah, even showing up. And she's, like, weird, weirded out by that, because it's like, why didn't you say anything? It's like, oh, hey, Mark, you know, hey, Nadia, uh, my grandson's coming up, he's about your age, and that you guys are from the same town, you'll have a lot to talk about, you know, so you won't be stuck with adults all summer, right? You know, something like that, but Margaret doesn't even do that, and I remember thinking that was weird. So I was kind of with Nadia, who's like, what the F? And then she's especially mad that Margaret got the job for her mom, so it's like, oh, okay, so you made it easy for my mom to leave my dad, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so she's making these huge connections that I'm sure no one was thinking along those lines, but that's exactly the kind of kid I was and still am. <laughs> oh, and she got mad about her dad getting interested in the turtles because, like, the year previously, she'd written this whole report on turtles, and the dad showed, like, no interest in yeah. it. And now suddenly he's magically interested in turtles, but really, her dad didn't really pay much notice of the thing because he was, like in the midst of, like, his wife leaving and all of that. And you're not going to give a really big rat's ass about turtles when that's going on. <laughs> yeah, so I was on, her, I was on her side for that as well. And I loved uh, that one day where she's just, like, not answering the phone for anybody. She just stayed home mm-hmm. and, like, didn't answer the phone. See, there's so much to cover, but, like, the way that... I, I'm struggling because I don't have my notes. But, um... Well, you don't have your notes. When she's like... Because they don't exist. Yeah. That's <laughs> a key point. <laughs> but when um, she's like, actually like talks to the dad and is like, why didn't you tell me all this about Ethan? And why didn't you tell me that she got the job interview for mom? Up And she's like, it didn't seem important. So she glommed onto that and passive aggressively used that so many times. And he's like, why didn't you answer the phone? I called all day. And she goes, I didn't think it was important. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... for being petty (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this is totally the kid i was i just came across that where they're sitting around like nothing's safe like everything kind of like sends nadia into like a low level of like seething rage yeah so they're sitting there uh eating milk and cookies and she's like oreos booby would have made homemade homemade rugelak rugelak i'm sorry i'm so like not jewish um, <laughs> Margaret didn't even know what Rugelach was until Grandpa Izzy took her to a kosher delicatessen and introduced her to them. Margaret ri- liked Rugelach, but I could tell she had no intention of learning how to make them. <laughs> You're just like, she doesn't, she doesn't need to. It's not her heritage. Yeah. She doesn't have to make them. Not yeah. Her. <laughs> but I'm just like, she's not going to try! <laughs> See, what's, what I think is interesting about her character and getting so, 
like almost finding a reason to be angry about every yes. little thing. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense for like a sixth grader to be going through that. Yes. That like, it, like if I'm reading that when somebody is like 17, 18 or like an adult, I'm like, oh my God, you're insufferable. Um. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah. Cause she, she comes into it, you know, she doesn't like, I don't think she, she never outright states it, but I don't think she liked that her grandfather remarried. Yeah. So, like, every little thing Margaret does then is just like, okay, this is exactly why I don't like you. Like, th- that's it. Like, here, right here. Because, like, you can't make Rukulak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you look like a Granny Smith apple. And you're just tacky. Yeah. You fat blonde lady. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like latching on to all of the, like, she can't articulate what the underlying cause is, but she knows that all of these other things that are kind of symptoms of that. And she's probably mad thing. about her parents' divorce as yeah. well. Yeah. But since she has a hard time figuring out that that's kind of the core thing, because it's like, well, my parents got divorced back then, and that's not what's happening right now. Right now, I'm really frustrated with her attire. Yeah. <laughs> not She's realizing tacky. that. tacky. Right, not realizing that it all kind of traces back She's to these. She's tacky AF, and we're in public with her. <laughs> Do not see how this reflects on all of us. <laughs> and, and I walked behind all of you, and none of you cared that I walked behind all of you. It's like, we probably just thought you wanted to be alone for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, even even stops to, like, turn and, like, watch her for a while. Just like, are you, are you coming? Until my father turned and asked Ethan to follow him. I'm like, okay. And I was just all like, that's so what I would have been like. <laughs> yeah. So, Margaret's interesting because... Mostly what we hear is, like, negative things about her, but, like, if you filter through that, she's a very, like, active volunteer in her yeah. community, and I think that's pretty cool. She's part of the Garden Club. Garden Club Committee? No, but I wrote it in. <laughs> <laughs> Where she's with Mrs., what was her name? Mrs. Taint. Trenton. <laughs> Tanton. Troughton. What the hell was their last name? Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> Tintin? Tetan. I'm I'm getting closer. (laughs) This is going to drive me fucking crazy. Uh Uh-oh, there we go. First one. (laughs) I didn't even tell you on the back. That is such a obnoxious. Tifton! Okay. I got there. I had to look. I got there. I had to knock my Barbies down first. Okay. I think this is the Noah in me, but I got really frustrated with how often Nadia used the word prepubescent. Because I still don't I love that word. I didn't like it either. I'm like, stop saying it. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it in. Stop saying well, that word. tween didn't exist as a word yet. Right. They would have said tween otherwise. Right. Because that's what a preview peasant is. They're a tween. When and I kind of prefer tween. Right? <laughs> I mean, I remember when that word was kind of first. Yeah, or even just preteen. Preteen's fine. Yeah. Tween's like more obnoxious. But yeah. <laughs> What prepubescent, I don't, I, I don't know, I think it's the pube in there. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> like, she only could have annoyed me more if she just walked up and said, moist. And I'm like, <laughs> There are very few places I will tolerate pubes, and it's not in the middle of that word. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about children. So interesting, uh, or at least I found it interesting, we get introduced to Ethan in this chapter. His last name is Potter, because this is before that they retired Potter as a last name in YA literature. Because you don't name a kid Potter anymore. <laughs> she got in, like, right under the deadline for yeah. that. Oh, and then they go see uh, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Alan got them tickets. But because 
Margaret was weird and didn't say that Ethan was coming, he didn't have another ticket for Ethan. So there was kind of this debate over, oh, who should who should yeah. leave out. And I like that Nadia was like, well, since Ethan was the uninvited one, uh, he should be the one to suggest that he should stay home. And I'm like, bitch, no. You lost me there. He shouldn't have to stay home. And he's like, <laughs> but he stayed quiet, so I figured he wanted to go. Especially when you find out how much he loves stagecraft. Yeah. Like, he loved that show. And yeah. I would have I would have loved it. I haven't seen it. I want to go see it. I've not I seen love, it. Either. I love I love Phantom so much. <laughs> but um oh what? And then she was like But then Margaret Margaret said like, okay, well I'll stay behind. But then Izzy had to be weird and be all like, Well, I don't wanna go without you I'm like, Okay, so your family's dog vomit, you can't be without her for like a couple hours. But luckily, you know, the Deus ex machina <laughs> the client of Alan's yeah. was like, I've got a spare ticket and he bought it from him. And, and it was like separate from the group, so Ethan's like, "I'll take that one." Yeah, <laughs> like, like uh, I'm good. So he could just be enraptured by himself. <laughs> yeah, my mom went to see Hamilton with a couple of friends, and because it's Hamilton, they couldn't get tickets together. Well, of course not. So <laughs> you're lucky to get in the same state. <laughs> I know someone who kept trying to do the lottery so many times to go see Hamilton that she gave up and just started doing the one for Portland, and then won that one. So like, figures that <laughs> she has to. What do you think is Margaret's reasoning for, I guess I can kind of understand her not being super warm with Nadia, which I don't, you know, we have an unreliable narrator in this situation, so I don't even know for sure. If she, she could have been nervous herself. Right. Like, how's this kid going to respond? Because she was close to her grandmother. And right. And this is kind of like my first time really hanging right. out so with her. Right, so my big question is more, why was she so cagey about Ethan? Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she just didn't bring it up because she forgot or. Yeah. She didn't think it would be a big deal. Right. Like, it'd be more like a bonus, just, like, someone showing up, like, hey, it's someone your age. But right. I I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, an oversight. Cause right, but it's... Because she and Izzy are really wrapped up in each other in their, yeah. like, turtle world. So. Right. I just think, like, especially with the Phantom thing, like, that... A surprise visitor that's just, like, hanging out is one thing, but when you're going to an event where you have to, like, purchase tickets in advance, it's, like, that's the point where you're just, like, hey, just so everybody knows. Or at least the person who's buying the tickets knows. Yeah. And that just seemed, like, a strange... Thing for her not to do maybe she's a little flaky sometimes i don't know i don't think it was anything out of malice the way yeah. nadia ascribed so much to her right <laughs> but again that's exactly what i was like at that age so i totally get her let's go back to the diversity with alinsky because oh, no. <laughs> that was yeah i really like mrs alinsky for the most part she said some stuff I didn't care for. I said for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, this D-bag. He's quaffed and blow-dried. Well, what, what does he say? Oh. The superintendent wants to know, and uh, Mrs. Linsky said, In the interest of diversity, diversity, I chose a brunette, a redhead, a blonde, and a kid with hair as black as print on paper. He was not amused because that's not what he meant by diversity. And she's like, well, then you can tell the taxpayers that we have one Jew, one half Jew, a wasp, a white Anglo Saxon. Not Christian. a literal insect. Um, no, he's an insect. <laughs> and an Indian. And then he said, uh, We don't call them Indians anymore. We call them Native Americans. You moron! <laughs> literally. Have you seen his last name. His last name's freaking Singh. Literally. That's a really common India. Indian last yeah. name. That's not the last time that happens in this book either. <laughs> oh my god. And, she, and he was like, We call them Native Americans. She's like, Not this one. And he goes, would you like if people call you a cripple? What does that have to do with the price of anything? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? He just wanted to be unpleasant to her. Yeah. Dickhead. 
Oh, and that isn't that isn't the last time we hear that word either. People are gross in this book. I'm really annoyed with them. Anyway, are we gonna move on to Yeah. Yeah. Chapter chapter three. Chapter three. Chapter three. We learned that Mrs. Alinsky had worked under Principal Margaret Draper and stayed in contact with her after Margaret retired. Oh, wait, I have something else to say. Sure. I just realized it, because her name is Margaret Draper. She ch- she marries Izzy, and she's Diamondstein now. Yeah. But Ethan keeps calling her Grandma Draper, so I think someone else isn't adjusting as well to the marriage. So I, I still waters run deep with poor little Ethan. <laughs> I think his might be more of just... Just That's like what I called di- her my whole life. Exactly. It's, it, it's just d- difficult to make that change in your head. Not so much like rebelling against the concept of her remarrying. Because he seems a bit more passive about that. Yeah, but you can still hurt about things. No, absolutely. I just... So every time he called her Grandma Draper, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like every right? time he did it, I'm like, interesting. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Mrs. Olinsky used to work with Margaret Draper. Yeah. Who was the principal. And then Ethan rings in on a question about important New York women. Ethan explains the B and B in. So Ethan and Noah have B and B chapters. It kind of bugged me that that Julian's chapter didn't reference like turtles or love or something with the title. So Ethan is a farm boy who dreams of working on Broadway theater sets. He has an older brother named Luke who is perfect in every way and Ethan lives in his shadow. He is pleased that since Mrs. Alinsky is new, she won't know about Luke and can judge Ethan on his own terms. True. On the first day of the school year, Ethan meets Julian Singh, a newcomer uh, with an accent and a funny way of dressing. Oh, yeah. Julian gets picked on incessantly, mainly by Hamilton Knapp and Michael Froelich. But Julian is pretty strong and continues to be himself. Hamilton is also the sort of boy that makes fun of Mrs. Alinsky's disability, so he's a real charmer. Anyways, Julian's father is a chef who recently purchased the local historic Sillington house and plans to turn it into a bed and breakfast. A few weeks into the school year, Julian sneakily invites Ethan, Nadia, and Noah to a tea party at the Sillington house. That was adorable. Using hidden notes and clues from local atlases and the book Alice in Wonderland. Noah gifts him a calligraphy set. Nadia brings one of Ginger's puppies. And Ethan gives him a heart-shaped puzzle because the store was out of every other option. (laughs) so funny. They all have a great time, and Julian reveals that he's pretty good at close-up magic. Although they aren't best friends at school, the group names themselves the Souls and continues to meet at the Sillington House every Saturday, learning calligraphy and helping renovate the house. You know, this chapter almost seems more about Julian than Ethan. Ethan's just kind of that kind of person. Yeah. He's really quiet, and, like, he has his own aspirations, but he's not... He's, like, the best friend in his own life. Like, he's never, like, the main character. He's not quite as bad as the boy from All the Lovely Bad Ones, who I straight up forgot was there. Right, Travis. <laughs> I'm amazed I remembered his name. Because you knew Ethan was there. Yeah. He's just this, the tall, blonde, quiet kid. Yeah. Who's basically, my like, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> I was just picturing But, like, the only really... Like. His, his only, like, really active moment is when he's going to get a present for Julian because he doesn't want to show up to the party without bringing something. They all thought to do that. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. I wouldn't have. Right? I would have been the one who shows up, saw everyone with presents, and went, oh, no! <laughs> I didn't bring a present. Actually, my mom probably would have been like, well, why don't you bring something? Kind of like as a housewarming. And I would have brought, like, a plant or something. Yeah. So Ethan has an older brother, Luke, who's away at college right now, but Luke is, like, the star of epiphany according to him he's like good at everything he does and everybody keeps asking when he's coming back and stuff but i kind of wish it took the extra step of actually like outside of ethan saying that luke is really good at everything and 
he always thinks about that. Luke doesn't really, like, Luke never shows up in the story, and most of the people don't really talk about him. And that kind of felt like a, just a empty sort of half measure. I think it's mentioned, and then you kind of see the effects of it, just because that's why he's, like, so quiet and kind of seems like a non-entity, because it's like he internalized that of, like, well, he's the, you know, but that my brother's a great one, so I just kind of, like, fade back and, like, you guys do this, you know, do your thing, and I'm just here, I guess. And, um, but him becoming friends with these kids is what brings him out more, and that's kind of the point of the story. <laughs> so, like, so, so, like, maybe that's just kind of his perception of what the Luke thing was, rather than, like, someone who was, like, good yeah. at stuff and he was well-liked, but he's not quite the god you're making him out to be just because yeah. you kind of felt overshadowed kind of like how nadia kind of projected all this crap on margaret that wasn't necessarily there yeah so it's just that age yeah i guess so i don't think it's poor writing on her part i just think it's just what your perception of stuff is at that age when everything makes you self-conscious and yeah you're figuring out your identity and all that yeah, yeah. i don't know because i like if it had spelled everything out, I would have been like, it didn't trust me enough as a reader. But oh, then... nothing spelled out. In right. This. You had to figure everything out yourself. Right. So that's why all those poor reviews, I was like, you need to be spoon-fed a story, don't you? But I didn't, I, like, it wasn't clicking for me either, and I know I'm not a bad reader. I didn't say you were. No, I, I know. But I'm just saying that, like, I think it needed to go a little bit further, not a ton further, but I, I think it needed, I don't know. I just, I, something wasn't what, quite what there What you needed, me. like, maybe the mom making more remarks of, so like, oh, well, when Luke gets home, think of all the, what we can do. And he's like, we can do that without him, you know? So maybe uh, something, something like, like that. that. Or, like, something that clues me in that, like, because we, ne- we don't get to see him prior to, like, this school year. We don't get to see, like, Ethan. So, like, it could be that it's because Luke is, like, better than everything. It also could be just he was, like, a naturally quiet kid. And, and those two things would result in two very different interpretations of a lot of the stuff that goes on and i just felt like it was a little too sparse to the point where i couldn't i couldn't feel strongly that i was reading it a specific way well also i think he kind of again like the whole point of the story is that they all bring things together to create like kindness in the world and like make things better that's kind of what happened with his friendship with julian because he was very much because when we first meet him, he's, like, got his leg up on the seat next to him on the bus, just like, cool, I don't want to sit next to anybody all year. Yeah. Just leave me alone back here. And then they make the unexpected stop, and then Julian comes on with his <laughs> knee socks and shorts. I'm sorry, I would have picked on that kid, too. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I would have just, like, snickered in my hand or something. But then when I found out he's, like, a nice kid, I would have stopped. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just picturing it. It's just such a lame outfit. <laughs> socks with shorts i've i've picked i've seen it before though yeah like because that's that's actually a pretty common like school outfit in other countries yeah and when it gets colder he switches like corduroy pants I know. and ethan's like, like does he, he own jeans, jeans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that kid showing up kind of like is like this you see like this spark of personality kind of finally starting to like take shape in this poor kid who's just like well i'm just this the shadow of my brother so i think that was very intentionally done i think that is part of the story and i think what you're describing is a feature and not a bug (laughs) so how big of a horrible piece of crap is this hamilton nap 
Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Oh my god. This kid is horrible. Like, the teacher, like, gets through, like, hi, I'm a paraplegic. This is, this is the thing. And writes on the board. And then he goes, like, hey, could you write higher? Because I can't read it. It's like, we just covered that she can't reach any higher. Mm. And, and she was, like, way nicer about it than she should have been. I do like how she first introduces herself, though. I am Mrs. Alinsky. I am one of those people who gets to use all the like, good parking spaces at the mall. Yeah, I thought that was funny. That was a cute way of putting it. Like, that would have, like, maybe go, <laughs> I like her, <laughs> if I'd been a kid. Like, I mean, I still had that reaction anyway, as, like, an adult reading this, but I would have found that charming. Right, and then when they come, and she writes paraplegic on the board, and just, you know, like, explains it all to them in a way they can understand. I know when I was a kid, there was a lot of, like, we don't talk about that. You right. don't talk about that. Right. But it was just like, no, I'm going to be upfront about what, you know, what happened to it's me like, and what I am, so that way there's no questions. Right, it's like, no one's going to miss it. No gonna, one's going to be like, oh, I didn't notice that you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> so I so I liked that and, like, trusting kids to, yeah, understand stuff. But, um, and then they come back from lunch and someone has uh, erased paraplegic and put cripple. Yeah. And unfortunately, poor Julian's caught with, like, the eraser. Yeah, because he's, he's like. He's about to erase it. Yeah. But there's, like, a moment where, like, Ethan's like, did he, did he write that? But then he sees, like, Hamilton Knapp smirking at his friend and is like, okay, that answers that question. Yeah. I don't know what headspace I was in, uh, but when it shows Cripple on the board, I wrote, she should have just erased the PLE and been straight thuggin'. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how you would have covered it, yeah. I like that Julian, when he was getting picked on, he didn't really change and he didn't need anybody to stand up for him. He was the Cap Anderson. He was just like, story. he was just like... I mean, I don't like it, but I am who I am. And that's who I am. Yeah. yeah. I am what I am. And when they steal his leather bag, that bag sounded nice. When they're all like, it's weird that he has yeah. a leather bag. I was like, I think you guys are dumb with your, like, Power Ranger backpack, so suck it. <laughs> that leather bag is way cooler. And then they write, like, I'm an ass on it. Yep. And then he he fixed it up. This seemed like a move that you would do also. When it, he changed um, I am an ass to... I am a passenger on Spaceship Earth. <laughs> like, that is so cool. Let's talk about Julian's uh, sneaky invitations. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it'd be, it's a good way to, like, weed out who you want to be friends with. And, like, he did this to, like, a lot of people. And they're like, what the F? And, like, throw yeah. it away or something. But the other person would be like, oh, okay. I'll yeah. look in that book. Look this here. Um, yeah, so Julian goes... There, there's, like, a farmer's market. And because... Ethan's family is kind of like a farm family. They bring stuff to sell, and Julian goes there, and when he's buying something from Ethan, he slips him a note with the money, and it says, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Chapter 7, Title. And so then uh, Ethan uh, goes home and finds it and says, A Mad Tea Party is the chapter title. And then at school, he finds a post-it note like on his backpack strap and he's mm -hmm. like how did that get there and it says tea time is always four o'clock p.m world atlas map 4 d16 and then he goes to the atlas in the classroom and it shows the segment of the county that would have the sillington house in it yeah and so that's how he figures it out and then it turns out that a couple other people got that as well um and that's how the little group starts he goes to the store and he decides that he wants to get 
Julian a puzzle because the invitation was a puzzle. So he's like, yeah. he'll love that. Love and he finds a bunch of really cool ones. And he's like, can I have that one? And they're like, we're sold out. And he's like, but it's right there. Can I just buy the display one? And they're like, like uh, it's glued together, yeah. bro. <laughs> like, how else do you think we could display it? <laughs> I'm just like, you can't talk to a customer like that, even if it's a kid. <laughs> Especially if it's a kid. Right. Well, I think some people will go ahead and speak a little bit more sharply than children because they can get away with it. When I say some people, I think I mean me. <laughs> it depends on the kid. If it's a kid who's, like, acting disproportionately annoying for their age, then I'm a little bit sharper. But, like, a small kid? Don't be mean to a small kid. Right. And then this kid's trying to give you money in a business. Right. He wants to buy something. I would have been all like, these are the puzzles that we do have. You know, and, like, show yeah. to that and, like, cut this conversation short. Right. Just be like, this is the Don't just the wait for him to... Point to the next one that go, you no, know full out. well is sold out right. as well. We don't have any puzzles. People yeah. come here and they buy video games. There's this weird kid coming to the video game store buying puzzles. What a little weirdo. Yeah, so <laughs> he ends up buying, it's like an entirely pink heart-shaped puzzle that has like a single red heart in the middle or like the colors might be flip-flop, but it's one of those like, yeah, like all that. monotone, so it's really difficult. Um, and that's what I mean, he ends up That's a good difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. I have been watching a YouTube channel where they solve those, like, those logic puzzles with, like, the rings hooked together and, like, how to get them out and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping he got one of those instead of a jigsaw puzzle because I think that would have been more of Julian's alley. Because you could also get ones that have, like, secret compartments if you could figure out how to open it. And I thought that would have been really Maybe cool. Maybe there wasn't a magic shop in their limited little mall yeah. area. And their uh, Barnes & Noble hadn't given up selling books and just switched almost entirely to board games and stuff. <laughs> It's so sad going into a Barnes & Noble these days. Like, one yeah, half of the building that. is still books, but then they have this huge media section that has, like, one vinyl, and then a three-foot gap, and then a second vinyl, and then and then they just have a big open, like, bunch of tables with, like, jigsaw puzzles and uh, board games and stuff. It's really weird. I haven't been in one in years. Yeah. I stopped going when they kept recognizing me. <laughs> I told you about that. I don't like that. Don't, don't act like you know me. When they have their little party. That sounds so condescending. When they have their little party. Well, I guess it was little because there was only like. It's four, four people. It's four people. <laughs> and there's no decorations or anything. It's a little party. Uh, <laughs> I wrote I wrote that I, I miss having friends that get excited about things because it's kind of like the whole doll bones thing where you just. Like it's cool to have people that are as invested in something as you are. Um, and I really liked that they were all super into it. Oh, wait. Uh, Nadia is present. Is a puppy. Yeah, and they're and like, Alice, and like you, I was like, <laughs> the fight that Noah and Nadia have about it. I was like, um, I believe you know everyone here except Alice. Who's Alice? She's Ginger's daughter. Ginger's my dog, and I've given Julian one of her puppies. Did you ask if Julian can have a pet? No. I've never heard of someone giving someone a pet for a present without permission. I could not believe that anyone would not want one of Ginger's puppies. What if Julian has an allergy? If Julian had an allergy, which he does not, he would still want one of Ginger's pups. Ginger is a genius. <laughs> oh, of course, I forgot. I almost forgot. Ginger's the dog that invented E equals MC squared. E equals MC squared was not invented. It was discovered, and Einstein discovered it. Ginger's a genius of her genus. Alice, who named her that? I did. I've never heard of someone giving someone a pet for a present without permission and then choosing that pet's name without even asking. Well, Noah, now you have. In a single afternoon, you have heard of both. This is so one of our fights. <laughs> I was like, this feels familiar. When I used to go to school with Josh, 
Okay. Uh, I like Julian doing close-up magic. I just like close-up magic. I was reminded of Ant-Man. Have you seen that? Yeah, okay. yeah. When he, like, barfs up the cards. He's <laughs> like, maybe I'll do that later, but I don't feel well. <laughs> and that one cop, like, wow. <laughs> it was, like, more thrilled with it than his daughter really was. <laughs> the, so this is the chapter where they name their group the Souls. Yeah. That's I thought it was going to be, like, something, and it's right. not really anything. No. Like, they just thought it sounded cool, I guess. Yeah. Isn't that most of the things you do when you're a kid anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I think part of the difficulty for me is that they're all really smart kids and a little bit off because they're so smart and they're kind of outsiders and stuff. So when they have conversations, it doesn't read like regular people having a conversation in in some aspects. So it's just kind of like, I've decided we are the souls. And everybody's like, we are the souls. And I'm like, that just didn't sound like, like I thought there'd be more to it where someone's like, what? exactly <laughs> like they're all they're all on this wavelength for everyone listening at home i kind of awkwardly slowly raised my hand up in the air and kind of looked around in confusion and said then said what <laughs> there's a whole leading up to yeah. that but uh you didn't see it because you know yeah this is not a visual medium <laughs> trademark uh, <laughs> so it's like they're riding the hard line of like whether or not the precocious child is tolerable or not a lot of the time and most of the time they land on the, it's fine, it's pretty engaging. Every once in a while they slip over to the other side, and I'm like... This was one of those times? Yeah. I'm not into the name of the group either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, And then I have, I have one other big problem, but it doesn't happen until, like, after all the vignettes and stuff. That, I mean, they basically end it by finishing their, like, they were talking about, like, their favorite, what is it, their favorite day? The day they would yeah. want to live over, and it's, like... I'd want to live the tea party. Again. Yeah. Like, Aww. Aww. <laughs> mean seal. <laughs> and like Nadia wants to go save the turtles again. What did Noah want? Oh, he wanted to be the best man again. Yeah. Best man, better man. <laughs> Whatever. This is a quote from the wedding singer. Chapter four. Mrs. Alinsky recalls her first day back teaching and noticing that sixth graders have changed since the last time she was a teacher. Oh, you shut the bathroom door. He can't get into his water. I'm he's, so sorry. He's confused. The room looks weird without the door open. There you go. Okay. <laughs> She's remembering her first day back at yeah. school. The, the kids kids are different now. Right. Which, yeah. Like, I can't even... Can, can I just say... I've never gone to school with a kid who was this mean. Like, no one I would have known. Even, like, crummy, like, bully kids wouldn't have written cripple on the board about a teacher in a wheelchair. I never heard anyone refer to... There was a girl at my school who was in a wheelchair. I never heard anyone ever call her cripple. No one spoke like that. And uh, this was written in 98, and at the time I was... uh, Ninety six. was like yeah, it would have been like ninety six. Yeah, and we were not that level of mean. And I think like that's the sort of thing that even the people that are most interested in kind of like breaking like social norms. That's the sort of stuff that you would say at your house, like as kind of like a like a ooh, I can't believe they said that. That's not something that like even the most daring of like bad kids at school. No. 
and hate criming Julian left and right. Yeah. And I've always I could see ragging on his clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like bullies in stories are way exaggerated than yeah. they are in real life. I mean, there's of course there are like bull- there are bullies who have been really horrible. Yeah. But I think those are those are kind of an outlier. Yeah, but also like good bullies, I mean good as an effective, not as in like they're more subtle, you know? Right. It's it's more... You can't catch them as easy. Yeah, it's more about just slowly tearing down the person as opposed to like, I'm gonna shove you in the locker, ha Right, like the kids in school. Yeah. <laughs> that level of, of yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah, or just straight up not acknowledging the person. Or oh like, yeah, just freeze them out. Yeah. Ignore them. Psychological it's... or passive bullying seems to be far more prevalent than the like in-your-face writing on the wall sort of hey bullying. nerd give me your money yeah <laughs> like i've never shit. been asked for my lunch money there was this older kid who did stop us once and, and he and he was he was jokingly joking. i think he kind of knew like my friend or yeah. something but he was he like he was like oh, i'm a big kid or something like that and then like he pulled like my friend's like string on her jacket i was like "Ooh, no you have to give me money <laughs> I got intimidated and freaked out and walked away really fast, just leaving her there. <laughs> and my friend was just like, Mara. <laughs> and, and the kid's like, no, it's, it's okay. I was just kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh no, bullies. I've seen these on TV. <laughs> Run. <laughs> I saw a documentary on National Geographic. <laughs> you know, go away, don't make eye contact. <laughs> Hamilton nap is just yeah. the worst. Okay, so anyways, uh, Julian buzzes in on a question about acronyms. I love his discussion about acronyms that takes place over the course of like four chapters or whatever, because all of the chapters that aren't the vignettes are really short. Julian narrates when Ginger played Annie's Sandy, which is a really confusing title. What that means is the school has a production of Little Orphan Annie, and Ginger the dog portrays Annie's dog Sandy, and Julian narrates that. But just the sheer number of names in that short little, it gets weird. I understood it. I didn't, I don't know the story of Annie, so I didn't know that Sandy was. I do, was, so okay. I, got, I got it. I was like, oh, cool. She's going to be in a play. Fun. <laughs> so Julian helps train Ginger to play the dog in Annie, which the middle school will be producing for their holiday play. I thought it was the high school, and then they bust the kids over to watch it. Wait, do they? Yeah, because they bust them over to watch it. And then, uh, when, then when the play's a bust and they all have to, <laughs> the teacher kicks them all out, Mrs. Olinsky is like, I'll give you guys rides home. You don't have to take the bus back or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I was confused why nobody, like, contacted their parents when she offered to do that. Okay, so the high school produces the play. Well, am I wrong? No, I, I, that makes more sense because Ethan would have been really interested in doing stage stuff if it had been the middle school. Yeah, Epiphany High School was putting on the play for the holiday season. It's Mrs. Reynolds, who's the teacher putting it all together, who is my hero. So the high school is producing Annie. And... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is a difficult day. (laughs) I thought this would be easy peasy lemon squeezy. It is just lemon lemon difficult lemons difficult. Are you on the struggle bus today? Choo-choo. I'm driving it. 
And all the kids in the back are frightened and quiet. <laughs> Cap Anderson. <laughs> Where's the hospital? Uh, Julian knows how to train a dog because he spent a lot of time on a cruise ship as a child. And they had, uh, they had like, little variety shows and stuff. His mom was a singer on the cruise ships, which is why he spent so much time on them. And he saw people train dogs. And so he knows things like how to hide a treat in your hand so that you can uh, coax them to do stuff and whatever. So Ginger is chosen as the main doggy. And Michael Froelich has a dog named Arnold, who's the understudy. And I love the fact that Ginger is like this little... And then uh, Arnold is like a... He's like a retriever or something. He's like yeah, he's like a purebred kind of dog. Yeah, he's like and she's a mutt, and that's basically basically what Sandy is. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like perfect casting. Yeah, yeah. So Arnold is the understudy. Uh, the Diamondsteins come into town for the holidays and are the first paying guests of the Sillington House. Hmm. On the way to the pre-showing of Annie at the high school, Julian overhears Hamilton's plan to give Ginger biscuits laced with laxatives and tranquilizers. He could easily poison her and kill her. Yeah. By doing that. Yeah. Like, that's not, a, like, a harmless tee-hee, boys will be boys kind of thing. Yeah. That is dangerous. Yeah. It's, like, and you have no concept of dosage. Because, and... like, what if, what if like, the dog, like, 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 Nadia gets distracted and the dog gets into all the treats? Yeah. That's, that dog's not going to just shit itself and then, like, fall asleep in it. Right. <laughs> the dog's going to die. So, what a sociopathic creep. Go ahead. I. Uh, he also has access to all of this stuff because Hamilton's mom is, like, the local veterinarian. So she has, like, a, a van with all of the, yeah. And adorably, Julian, like, assumed that the dad was the vet. Yeah. Like, the mom just drove the van sometimes. And you're like, oh, hon, get out of the Stone Age. It's like the thing where it's, like, what's that the riddle where it's, like, I can't operate on him, he's my son, and it's because his like, mom is the... The doctor. Yeah. yeah. Julian alerts Nadia, and I like how he does this, um, but... It was already decided beforehand that Arnold would be performing the pre-show because of how hard he had trained. Uh, so he still gets to be out there, even though it's just the understudy. I'd like to point out that Michael had no idea this was going to happen. So right, he it was, was all not Hamilton. In on this. It was all Hamilton. They've all kind of realized that Michael Froelich isn't really that bad when he's like away from Hamilton. Yeah. So he's actually kind of like a nicer, yeah, nicer kid when he doesn't have like. <laughs> well, Mister Edgeworth. Yeah, I like how I like how Julian phrases it. He's like, I could separate, uh, I could separate Michael from. Hamilton, and I could separate Arnold from both of them. So, when thinking about, like, how to approach this situation, he, like, he has these degrees of, like, there's no way that Arnold should be punished for any of this. Um, yeah, because, I'm not gonna poison a dog. Yeah, because with Arnold being the lead, that means that he'd be the one getting the treats, like, he would be the one getting tranked. Yeah. Um, so, Julian, feeling sorry for Arnold, swaps the treats so the dog isn't drugged. Some obnoxious chanting occurs in the audience, and the theater director scolds the kids, and it's I loved that part. I loved it so hard. After the performance, Julian delivers the drug treats back to Hamilton and his veterinary mother, and the four souls ride with Mrs. Alinsky to the Sillington house to visit the Goldsteins. I think it was, like, Ethan who was saying, like, hey, you should get Ginger to audition to be Sandy and Annie. And Noah kept piping up of why they couldn't, because he's annoying. <laughs> She's like, well, because he kept saying, like, well, Sandy is a male dog and ginger is a girl so she can't play it like who's gonna be checking the privates it's what i can't tell the gender of dogs like or anything ever unless they're not fixed and you can yeah. clearly see the big old ball sack that's kind of using big dogs with big ball sacks that's not pleasant <laughs> I, I was like i'd like to opt out 
Swing low, sweet chair. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, and then Nadia's like, was like, unless Ginger visits a plastic surgeon, she won't fit the part. I was like, Noah, is there any subject in this whole world that you do not know more about than every other being on this planet? He goes, not every other being on the planet. Let's just say every other being in this room. Like, do you have a dog? No, but just answer the question. Do you have a dog? No, but just answer the question. Have you ever had a dog? No, but just answer the question. <laughs> have you ever had a dog? No, I rest my case. <laughs> this is like... sometimes when I'm trying to have a conversation with my mom, like, I'll be like, what time are we doing this? And she'll be like, well, first I have to, I'm like, what time are we doing it? And she's like, well, it's going to be after, what time are we doing it? (laughs) Please, the next word out of your mouth better be a time. (laughs) Like, if you don't have a number, just say you don't know yet. Oh, yeah, that's totally fine. (laughs) I don't know yet. First I have to do this. And then then it's like problem solved. Yeah. Rather than, like, be like, well, what? And you're just like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, I don't have the answer yet. I can't work with anything. That is not the question that was asked. (laughs) I didn't say what he had to do first today. <laughs> I said, what time are we doing this? Anyway, so I really liked that fight that just kept going. And then Ethan just like, anyway, getting back to Ginger. <laughs> you ought to let her try out. <laughs> so Julian talks about the animals on the cruise ships. And he... The monkey sapphire. There's the monkey sapphire. He also says, there weren't many for keeping animals on board a ship is not easy. And I wrote, pie did it. Like a pie. That wasn't easy. <laughs> I still think that comment was correct. <laughs> Sapphire's a drunk monkey. A drunkie. A drunkie? <laughs> Didn't he pee everywhere too? And then there's like at the yeah, next Yeah, he, he next couldn't stop, control his, yeah. And the captain had Sapphire and his owner put off the ship at the next port. <laughs> it's like that isn't even where diaper. they're trying to go. So I just... see monkeys wearing diapers. Just put a diaper on them. Just do it because it's cute. Regardless of I don't think that's why. I'm saying even if they don't have bladder control issues, it's still cute. Just do it anyways. Well, then they like reach in there and like throw their poop. Well, otherwise they're going to poop on the on the ground and make a, make a stinky and then they're going to pick it up and throw it. This is a dumb so conversation. Like, so you like just take out the step of reaching into the diaper? No, I'm taking out the step of making a mess on my cruise ship floor. But it's the poop deck. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it. <laughs> think i did the okay so julian is on the bus and he hears about the plan to drug the dog and so he's like crap i gotta let nadia know so he goes up to the like towards the front of the bus where noah and ethan are sitting and he slips them a penny that is this like that year's penny or whatever year they I, i assume it's still that year for when they founded the souls so it's like a 96 penny he gifted them with them at the end of their um yeah. Their tea party. Yeah, but it's like their messaging system. So he uses that to indicate that, like, there's a problem. Um, okay. And they kind of, like, intuitively know that there's, like, like you know, there's something. Because they don't, they don't really meet or interact a ton outside of their weekly tea things. So, like, that's why they're not all sitting together on the bus or something right. like that. Is, and so then I, I just like the idea of, like, having this little, like... The signaling system that only they know what it is. It's, it's and he's just like, cover me. Yeah, it's So cute. they like trip each other and like, ah! And like <laughs> cause this whole thing so then Julian can like run, run backstage. backstage. Yeah. And then when he realizes that Arnold is going to be going out there and that he doesn't need to tell Nadia about the drug treats, he's like, I just wanted to say break a leg. And then she says, but what do you say to theater dogs? And he said, you double it. You say break two legs. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that's true, but I will use it. 
All right. Do we want to talk about these douchebags disrupting the performance? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, so, like, the dog comes out on stage, and Hamilton Knapp and his other friend, it just says Lord right here. Is his name Jared Lord? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they start, like, clapping, like, arf, 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 and, like, everybody's yeah. like, starts doing that, too, because it seems like a good idea. Which, at that point, if they're clapping and saying arf, they're just doing seals. They're not doing dogs. Yeah. No. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> Those are just dog mermaids. <laughs> but um, I don't get why they did that, though, because, like, the dog that runs out on stage is clearly your friend's dog now. So why are you doing this to, like, wreck the performance? Yeah. Because, like, you you wanted to help out your buddy, do a, you know, get, do your buddy a solid and make sure that the dog gets to be in the performance by sabotaging the other dog. Why would you then sabotage the performance? Like, you start doing that and go, oh, wait, she's out, he's out there. Okay. <laughs> you know, and yeah. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I don't really understand him. Yeah. Okay, bullies, can you write in, like, what the F is happening here? Because it makes zero sense. Anyway, they keep doing that. And they start going, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. And, like, being really just annoying. And then Mrs. Reynolds comes out and she yells at all of them. And I thought she was awesome, and I bet she's a really great mom, because she immediately was like, part of the theater experience is learning to be a good audience. You have not been a good audience. You have been a very bad one. I'm sorry that you have not learned at home how to act in public. I am ashamed for you, because I know you are not ashamed for yourselves. I would like you to leave. Now, you can start correcting your behavior by leaving this auditorium in a quiet and orderly fashion. It wasn't even like the weak sauce teachers who'd be all like, Right. Like, the whole time. She was just like, no, we're ending it. Right. You guys screwed it. But Bye. Here's the difficulty of that. There's no real way that you can tell those kids without them just being like, what did she get all worked up about? And then leaving the, the place kind of feeling like, hey, look at, I messed everything up. Like, there's still a sense of pride of, like, being disruptive about it, which sucks because she said absolutely the truth. It's like, you know, we don't tolerate this. You're being awful. It's just done. But then the kids still get a sick sense of pride out of it. At least the ones that were, like, being obnoxious. Trust me, I sat with all the people that would do this. Okay. But I still I still like that they didn't, like... Because usually no. they threaten to do that and then don't. No, she's absolutely which is way in the right. weaker. She did absolutely what she's supposed so to do. So I do not think she was... She was like my hero. Who was yeah. like, yes. The problem is just that that good message won't reach the kids. And that's just an unfortunate thing about kids that age with that attitude. But it's well, not her fault. Well, at least you're not putting, yeah. like, the people performing yeah. through that. Yeah. Because you got to think of them, too. Yeah. That's their time wasted. Yeah. Definitely. She was good. And by doing that, maybe the other kids could be like, well, I didn't get, I mean, now we have to go back and do school. This was supposed to be like two hours of us not doing school. Thanks for effing it up for us there, Hamilton nap. Like, I probably would have cried because I liked going to see stuff. Like, that was fun for me. I I liked seeing stuff like that. I don't think we ever got to do that a lot. I I mean, maybe I wouldn't have cared that much for this because I hate Annie so much. I'm sorry if you love Annie, anyone listening, but I hate that show. It's just over singing children, and that's a thing I cannot stand. What was it? Oh, so Julian decides, you know, he, he knows about the trees and he decides not to swap them so Arnold won't get poison. So that portion of it works totally fine. And then he takes the poison treats and he goes back to Hamilton's van and he's like, Yeah, he just drops them one time. He's just like, Here, you can have these back. Yeah, these were um, growing out of your son's head by you. <laughs> yeah, he he, like, he, he does he does the magic like behind the ear sort of thing with yeah. him. And like, 
I hope he then got in trouble with his mom because the mom would be like, what are those? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, they're just treats. Like, why do you give those to you? What are, what are you doing with right. them? Right. And then she could probably like squeeze the story out of him and be like, you were about to poison a dog and then like freak out right. on him. So I'd like to think he got in trouble for that. Unless she's like a weak sauce parent and just like accepted like whatever dumb thing he said. Just like, oh no, he's weird. Maybe she know. makes him eat one of them. There's a fine line between abuse and... Well, listen, we have we have no knowledge of anything that she did. So in this fantasy world that doesn't exist with characters we don't know, the kid could be on the toilet all night. We don't know. We don't know. That or he <laughs> sleeps a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we so are at now... At this point, we're done with the vignettes, We are done we? with the vignettes, so pretty much everything is going to be from Mrs. Olinsky's point of view. And it's gonna... F- it flip-flops between sequences that lead up to the academic bowl and then the finals itself. Um, kind of the big thing for the next couple of chapters as far as the actual tournament is that Julian is asked to give two examples of acronyms, which if anybody doesn't know, because I didn't know this for a really long time, it's only an acronym if you actually say the, the letters that stand for things as a word itself. Otherwise, it's just an abbreviation. So FBI is not, but sonar is. And so he gives examples of uh, posh? posh and tip, and neither of those are in their like list of answers that they expect, and so they consult with the experts, and they're like, we'll give you posh, but we have no record for tip, and he's like, well, sorry, but your, your information, wrong. yeah, <laughs> your information is incomplete, and so. picturing him as like super polite English. Like, yeah. Then you're incorrect. Yeah. That is not right. Yeah. You need other and so they give him like half points and then move on. And then a little while later, they're like, we're actually going to Didn't they do deductions because they didn't like him arguing? It's a whole thing. They do like three different things with the points. They like, they're like, we're, we'll award you half. And then they're like, we're going to deduct. And then they're like, now we're going to readjust things and you're up two points or something like that. This wouldn't happen if they had internet. Right? <laughs> they're going to look at it right up and like, oh, he's right. <laughs> they just pop it up on their Snope phone. Snopes said it's okay. <laughs> Wikipedia, check citations, check I mean, citations. Tip kind of sounded fake, but right. <laughs> I was just like, is that true? I didn't actually go look it up. I mean, I believed Posh, but I didn't know about Tip. The fact that they awarded him points after the fact, I would assume, then, is actually... It, she could have been coming at this from, like, wrong information. Yeah, it was the 90s. Yeah. There's lots of wrong information there. There's still lots of wrong information. And there's, those are alternative facts, Josh. Right. Don't, don't bring me down. Bruce. <laughs> who is Bruce? What's that? It's that song by ELO. I know don't the song, but down. who's Bruce? Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. I don't like him. <laughs> I've seen him in concert twice. Intentionally? Well, I mean, like, it wasn't a surprise. I didn't walk in like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and there he is. Oh, oh, on the road. Oh, you just walk in. Where did all these button fly jeans come from? Baby, we were born to run. I'm like, <laughs> there's a black guy going, saxophone. Like, what the fuck, man? Sorry, that's the second one. I like how neither of them are like related to the actual story. Well, one was because you couldn't remember someone's last name. The other one's because of a black guy in the saxophone. Yeah, it's Clemens. Well, Clarence Clemens had already died by the time I saw him in concert, and his uh, nephew, Jake, took over playing the saxophone. And when we saw him in L.A., um, after the next day, we went to the Grammy Museum, 
and there were like people ahead of us in line to go into the museum who had been at the show the night before and they were talking with like my mother-in-law about the about the show and one of the guys was like i was so proud of jake last night and i was like you don't know him don't talk to him about him like you know him you're weird chapter five mrs alinsky recalls trying to decide who her academic bowl team should be she decides on noah ethan and nadia pretty fast for a while, she considers Hamilton, since even though he's bad, he's pretty smart. But she... She didn't realize how bad he was. Right. Uh, but she knows he started the rude chanting at the play, and that's kind of... She noticed things before, but that was kind of the final straw. She notes the difference between uh, mischief and malice. Yes. He's a hateful, horrible kid, whereas all the kids in, like, all the lovely bad ones, that's mischievous bad. Yeah. Like, there wasn't, like... Yeah. The, the, the None idea of those kids are going to write cripple on a board. Right. The idea of mischief is that there's a sense of fun behind it, not just for the people doing it, but to a degree for the people that are re- receiving it. Like once they understand. I will give you an example. <laughs> there's a boy at my middle school who, it was actually very clever. He, uh, in the boys' locker room, he took a string and attached it to the door leading into the locker room to the fire alarm. So when the person comes in and pulls the door open to get into the room, fire alarm goes off. <laughs> and we're like a one, it was like a one story school. So there wasn't like, oh no, we had to try and transport people from yeah. like, you know, people in wheel, wheelchairs down like stairs or anything. So it was just an inconvenience. And, and the, kid, the kid that opened the door can't get in trouble because he had no way of knowing. I would <laughs> give so much money to see like video footage of that kid's face when he opens the door <laughs> that is amazing and he didn't do it to specifically target one kid to like set it up so this one right it was just kid. whoever opens it next just whoever opens it next <laughs> and the boys have been a teacher <laughs> yeah so i mean that's that's mischief that's not malice <laughs> it's also really super illegal he was suspended for that well yeah how did they know? Did he use, like, special string that only he had been using to rig things for you? I, so I think they ratted him out. <laughs> or, like, they, I think they were able to figure out what place, like, where the alarm was pulled. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the boys' locker room. <laughs> There's all this string here. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that kid was later expelled from my high school because he went to a football game with a water bottle full of vodka. So... Also Quit not, while you're ahead, man. <laughs> also not malicious, just a bad idea. And then after that, no one could bring outside food or beverage to a football game. Way to ruin it, you... I'm not going to say his yeah. name. Anyway, so she decides against Hamilton. But when, after the play, she <clears throat> takes everybody back to Sillington House and she sees how well all the kids work together, how they kind of, like, bring out each other's strengths and stuff and their personalities, you know, they can be themselves she has an epiphany right she so that's when she decides that the fourth member is going to be julian chapter six for the first time i have epiphany's history the sixth grade history history (laughs) for the first time in a piffstery yeah there we go i like that the sixth grade academic bowl team beats the other grades in the class to represent the school during class one day mrs linsky uh, shames Hamilton and fellow troublemaker Jared yes. Lord after they intentionally burp to disrupt the class. Chapter 7, in the Academic Bowl Finals, Julian argues with the judges about having incomplete information and not accepting his correct answer about acronyms. And then in the flashbacks, Olinsky meets with the principal of Knightsbridge, another contestant 
And they trash talk. Oh, he was so gross. Yeah. Meanwhile, Superintendent Rummer is concerned that his deputy, Mr. Fairbeam, will embarrass him by pronouncing uh, questions in the academic bowl incorrectly. And he has good reason to worry. (laughs) This guy's such a stupid douchebag. I love him. Uh, He might be my favorite character. (laughs) uh, Chapter 8, while preparing for the next stage of the competition, Mrs. Alinsky joins the souls for their Saturday tea. While there, Julian's father makes some remarks about Alinsky choosing her team that he couldn't have known. Alinsky quizzes the souls late into the evening. So yeah, we can talk about... Um... What is the native country of, of Pope John Paul I.I.? <laughs> <laughs> the day after the broadcast, there were five letters to the editor in the paper about Mr. Fairbain none favorable. That would have made my life... Oh. He's like so worried. He's like, oh my god. What if any of the names are going to be of the former Soviet Socialist Republics, Uzbekistan or Azerbaijan, or heaven forbid, Kyrgyzstan? (laughs) (laughs) Homer would embarrass himself if he had read the names of the ministers of Japan or Zaire, or or any name containing more consonants and vowels, or more vowels and consonants. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't have that guy do it. Like, problem solved. God. (laughs) At the Sillington House... After the play, I was bugged by the fact that Mr. Singh uh, wheels Alinsky in without asking. Yeah, you're... You don't big, do that. No, no, you don't. You yeah. do not do that. Mm-mm. They still have their that's complete like, agency over yeah, their body. That's like, yeah, the wheelchair, <laughs> or if someone has a walker, you don't touch that. It's like extensions of their body. Yeah. It, it is their body. That's yeah. how they move. Yeah. And you don't touch it. And then even related to that, like, like if there's somebody that can't reach the top shelf or something, you don't just assume and grab it for them. Yeah. They'll, Maybe, they'll ask for help, help if they want help, or you can ask them and yeah. they'll politely you like accept the decline. Yeah. But don't just assume, because, you know, imagine how frustrating it is to just be constantly reminded by strangers that you can't reach the top shelf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he did, he does that multiple times. He pushes the wheelchair, and I'm like, I get that you're being nice, but no, just ask. But then she goes, I was rescued by a genie, and I'm like, God, bitch! Right? I'm on your side! Right! <laughs> <laughs> you had me! You're for both s- assholes! <laughs> All right, so Dr. Romer agrees to let Mr. Fairbairn be the master of ceremonies because it would be his one chance to show the community he had learned a thing or two and two is the Roman number I.I. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that did make me laugh. Oh, wait. There was, I can't find it. Maybe it's towards the, the, a different part. Yeah, when they go to Sillington House for their tea and Mrs. Olinsky is with them and there's already some guests sitting there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's like, she like kind of like wheels into the room and like, they smiled at her in the encouraging way people always smile at people in wheelchairs. Right? And I was like, ah. Right? It's like, look yes. at you. Good for you. You're dressed up in people clothes. You're so brave. Look how brave you are. For what? <laughs> like, I came in the room with this genie here. <laughs> Speaking Jesus. of horrible comments. Oh, sh- are we getting to that? Geronimo? Ah. And it got worse. So Julian answers a question. Yeah. Well, so first, uh, Fairbane pronounces Geronimo as Geronimo because uh, there's a line break. And so he reads the hyphen as being like an actual like two part thing. And so he says Geronimo and uh, Julian answers 
With all due respect, is, sir, I believe one of the men of whom you speak is Geronimo, yeah. a member of the Apache tribe. And Mr. Fairbairn says, yes, indeed, you are right, young man. Good for you. You look a bit like an Indian yourself. And I, mean, I just wrote, oh, no, with the O's getting the, smaller. <laughs> <laughs> the whole audience responds to that as well. Well, now, that is special. What's your tribe? <laughs> Dr. Romer paled to the point of translucence and the audience gasped. Everyone, even those who had not had diversity training at taxpayer expense, knew that even though it was correct to recognize a person's, person's ethnicity, it was not correct to comment on it in public. <laughs> he's not commenting on his ethnicity. That's not his ethnicity. He just said he's East Indian. That has nothing to do with fucking Native Americans. You're, <laughs> you're brown. Tell me about your tribe. How many feathers do you put in your hair? Do you go home tonight in your teepee? And he's just like, no, I was, I like, I was reading it. And I actually, I went, no, not <laughs> how bad it was. You know, like, I want to reach been, in and pull him away from the podium. If there's been like, if it had been like 10 years later, this would have been a meme. You know, this would have gone viral. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, so my two big things that stop me from loving this book are, what I said earlier about how the kids are kind of, they're riding the edge of precociousness and it doesn't help that it's a very short book. It's 160 pages paperback. Mm -hmm. It's so every, everything needs to kind of work together. And for the most part it does, but you also sacrifice uh, a little bit of putting in extra details that just kind of flesh out people. Um, and so everybody needs to be like, everything kind of ties into their presentation and stuff. But uh, because of that, they feel a little bit, not like stereotypical caricatures, but they are kind of these streamlined individuals and not full-fledged people in some ways to me, which I could be wrong about that. I could just, I, I was having a hard time focusing. The other thing is I don't like what she did with Mr. Singh's character. I don't either. How he He's just, the he, mystical guy who's like, I know everything. Yeah, who <laughs> doesn't like, come in and like that, that, I mean, he's been there for a while, but that aspect of him doesn't arrive until 20 pages before the end of the book. Yeah. I'm just like, no. No, this doesn't need any sort of magical realism. It doesn't need the one guy with a turban that can somehow, like, predict everything. And, yeah. like, no, like, that was... That was cringy. That was, like, full... Even if I loved the rest of it, that's at least a full point markdown for me. Like, it didn't tie into anything, and it just totally threw it all off. I think the only reason I gave it for is just because I liked Nadia's section so much. Is it? And also, I liked Julian so much. So Julian yeah. and Nadia's stuff was what made it for like the other things. No, right with you. Yeah, I I, I was like, because mm, I was like, this was heading towards five, but then this happened, and well, actually, when she said saved by a genie, I went, oh. Yeah, I think I mentioned this when I was talking about when you decide if you like a book or not, and I mentioned that the the ending is really like can be a kind of pivot point for me. It was especially true with this because it was told non linearly. I I was like. My opinion of this book entirely depends on if it sticks to the landing. And throwing Mr. Singh in there as the kind of magical nonsense. Yeah, I was just like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, that's a big misstep. That shouldn't have been there. Yeah, they fumbled that landing. It wasn't quite the person who lands and broke their leg. But yeah. it, it, it wasn't. A yeah. Vignettes, I wasn't comfortable vignettes, with that. Vignettes, liked most of the vignettes, love a lot of the one-liners. There are a lot of fun yeah, little sentences fun in here. I liked the structure of the story, but yeah some of the ham-fisted 
And how they kept describing his clothing. I was like, this is a big blue apron. I'm like, why don't you find out the actual term for that clothing? Like, maybe you could say that the first time when you when he sees that, like, when he waits with Julian for the bus. Like, yeah. this dude looks like he's wearing a blue apron. Yeah. But then when you get to know Julian, you're like, so what's that called? And he could tell you what that, right? what that's called. Sixth grader looking out a bus window probably isn't going to be able to recognize it. No. Grown adult who uh, has a much better understanding of diversity than everybody else around her in the mid-90s would probably know the term for it. Don't call him a genie and don't call it a big blue apron. I mean, I don't know what it's called. I could have right. st- still looked into it, but I wouldn't have called it like a big blue apron. Yeah. And I wouldn't have said genie. Yeah, so basically, when I'm talking about the magical realism aspect of things, yeah, Mr. Singh knows about not just... You were going to pick Hamilton Knapp. How does he know that? Yeah, like, it's not just that he heard what the kids were talking about, like, because he knows about the wedding and all of that stuff. It's not just that he knows about that because they were having those conversations in his bed and breakfast. He knows that she was considering Hamilton now, and this is, like, his first time meeting her. Yeah. Or maybe second, but they definitely weren't talking about that. She never told that to anybody, and I was like, that's too direct. If you had to leave him in like that, make it vague enough that she could be putting her own answers in, but having right. him explicitly state that she thought about that specific person, too far over. Yeah. Didn't work. I Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't like that. And then he was, trying, he was trying to make a big connection with the souls, and, like, she said something about reincarnation, he's, like, maybe incarnation, and I, I, it was, like, trying to bridge this additional meaning to them being called the souls and what they did and stuff. Like, it was supposed to build to, like a metaphysical metaphor or something like that. And I was like, I'm not feeling it. It's definitely not supported by what I just read, in my opinion. And I don't want it to go that direction anyways. <laughs> I like it just being four kids whose lives intertwine and yeah. they all make each other better. I think that's cool. Yeah, I like that too. That's a really good thing. That's where I got the four stars. Yeah. Because I liked that. Yeah, that fundamentally. I think, I think I've just ignored the rest of it. It was like, that's stupid. I like this star. Those part of the story. Yeah. Because those parts of it, really great. And yeah, so, they work. so many of the little things that she does with the writing work really well. And then there are a couple of things that she added in that just, uh, they're trying really hard to undermine the that really good foundation. I think it's still standing, but I definitely wouldn't trust it in an earthquake. <laughs> oh, is he sleep twitching? Yeah. Aw. <laughs> Chapter 9. The local news is abuzz thanks to Epiphany making it to the finals. <laughs> a small mishap in an interview by Mr. <laughs> Fairbairn. <laughs> was... <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Fairbairn. I think he's my favorite character. This is how he screws up. So... I just, I kind of kept picturing him as Michael Scott. Yeah. <laughs> How perfect is that? If they filmed this, they'd have to get, they'd have to get Steve Carell to play him. <laughs> so a small mishap in an interview by Mr. Fairbairn results in school buses being chartered by, for Epiphany residents to attend the academic bowl finals in Albany, despite not having the budget to do so. Century Village comes through, however, and sells t-shirts adorned with a moose to raise funds for the buses. Chapter 10. Af- okay, I didn't like the noose. Huh? I didn't like the noose thing. Oh, was it, did we forget to talk about that? We did. Yeah, we okay. forgot to talk about When that teacher like, showed up and was like... Okay, so he's the principal, right, of one of the other schools, comes in and talks to... Mrs. Olinsky. Mrs. Olinsky about the teams, and that was quite a conversation. Yeah, I- Kind of, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, you're not going to go into that in more detail? Or... 
His smile was as genuine as a Xerox signature. And he hovers over her to, like, intimidate. I hated that crap. Yeah, he he stands at an angle where she has to look Look back and up at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's really off-putting yeah she said, it's like he read some sort of like very malicious business book about like this oh this made her look worshipful she, she wasn't. wasn't um i told our coach that she could expect to be hung if she lets your sixth grade grunges beat us out which is messed up to say yeah she goes, first of all and then she, well then she responds well then much as i respect your coach i recommend that you start buying rope by the way mr ledoux in our grunge neighborhood we say hanged not hung check it out and then they made the noose their thing. And I was like, what if there'd been a black kid on that team? He'd be like, I'm not cool wearing a noose. Right? Like, I don't I don't want any part of that. Yeah. Or like, you know, suicide. Right. <laughs> I, and then like, yeah. And then they're like, for their victory, they're like hanging like nooses off of like their car and, and stereo. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Pick something else. Just I mean, put would, the moose on it. Would upstate New York be super white and they wouldn't think about that? I actually think they have a huge, like, uh, I think they have, like, a pretty big, like, Indian population. Right. I don't think it's I mean, as white. Right, but as... lynching would be more specific to black. So, I that was my... I think I think that has happened to a lot of people. I'm sure it has. Like... Most people... But yeah. you do but, associate it more but with that. But also, just freaking have some dignity and class and think about, like... Like you're not gonna you're not gonna have a firing squad badge or something like that, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my my school never would have allowed a noose. Yeah, I didn't like that. I'm starting to rethink my four stars. <laughs> That's what happened with uh the the reverse direction is what happened with the thing about jellyfish for me. I was four stars and we talked about it and I just started loving it even more and then bumped it up after I got okay. home. Okay. <laughs> I think I might knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter ten. After futzing with the numbers thanks to Julian's outburst about acronyms, Epiphany has a slight lead in the finals. The tournament comes down to one final question about the origin of Humpty Dumpty in Through the Looking Glass, and Julian nails it, winning the match for Epiphany. I caught that one, too. And I was like, no, it's not Alice in Wonderland, it's a sequel! <laughs> There's also a short flashback sequence of the drive to the match where Alinsky and Mr. Singh discuss driving and how Alinsky felt about vehicles after her accident. Chapter 11. Were they, like, trying to make them, like, be a couple? A couple. Do you feel like earlier drafts maybe had them, like, yeah. walking up or something? Yeah, definitely. Kind of like how, like, it seemed like they were going to hook up Ms. Mr. Kasigi and the, um... Yeah, and the, the... Social worker? Yeah. What's her name? She was Sophie's mom. Yeah, she's got Mrs. it going Donnelly. on. <laughs> Mrs. Donnelly! <laughs> okay. <laughs> One for two. <laughs> got that one. I didn't have to, like, flip through it. I didn't have to sit there going, doubly... Donovan. (laughs) We read it three months more recently, so... Oh, okay. Chapter 11. Alinsky and Mr. Singh drive back to Epiphany, Julian asleep in the back. Alinsky asks Mr. Singh why she chose the souls, and he replies it was because each of them returned from a journey. Noah from Century Village, Nadia from the Sargasso Sea, Ethan uh, on his bus ride, and Julian from his long roundabout journey to Epiphany. He remarks that she has now been through a journey as well. Back home, Alinsky flips through the alice books and feels whole again thanks to the kindness of the souls it's all just vague enough to be award-winning but not clear enough to actually be satisfying that was how i felt by the end of it well i like the last line of that chapter or of the book because i still have to do the chapter 12 thing okay which is just i like the last line of the book entirely alinsky continues to attend tea and she and the souls realize they chose each other yeah when she's like did i choose you or did you choose me and the souls answered yes yeah so i was like ah 
four stars. <laughs> yeah. Good last line, but it was that conversation in the previous I chapter. I feel like if I'd like... taken notes, I would have added it three stars. <laughs> That's, well, yeah, because I... Uh... Because then I'm not thinking as critical. While, while just, like, looking at the text, I wasn't as frustrated, but then when I started writing things down, yeah, I was you start just thinking, like, Ugh. And you're like, wait. But there were, like, a, things that, a few things that, like, ping me. I'm like, no, like, the noose yeah. and um, the very specific, weird, like, racial bullying that that jeweler was supposedly looking at. The stack of DC Comics, what is that? On the table? The graphic novels? Oh, it's all Wonder Woman. Oh, cool. Is that the new 52 one with... Yeah. Azarello? Is that who... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Interrupting our podcast for comics. Yeah. Anyway. So, let's talk about that... About that interview for the news. Because, oh my god. <laughs> you can say one thing. Just say one thing. Say the taxpayers are proud. What can I say? We're proud of these youngsters? No. Just say the taxpayers are proud. And then what does that girl ask? So, so like, Holly Blackwell tilted her quaff and turned her baby blues on the deputy superintendent and asked him how the trip to Albany would be financed. Homer Fairbain smiled and replied, The taxpayers are very proud. Dr. Homer grew as pale as the paper of his unsigned contract. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> By only saying the thing that he was required to say, just to a different question than anticipated, he ends up agreeing that they're going to charter a bunch of buses for the town. I love it. <laughs> it's so great. Because <laughs> Dr. Rubber is so sure he's figured out a foolproof plan to not get this guy to mess up. He always messes up. He's the Michael Scott. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That, I laughed so hard. That was, yeah, that was great. <laughs> but again, then there are nooses. <laughs> Everyone's got little noose badges and stuff. Yeah, I really, I mean, I, I get, like, um, taking, like, the insult they had, the, the guy had, and, like, turning it around and owning yeah. it. Yeah. Couldn't we have changed it so it wasn't a noose? Like, maybe he could have said something else? Yeah. Like, anything? <laughs> right. I mean, she makes a comment on how he has the improper grammar of hung versus hanged. Maybe they could have said something about how they, like actually no proper grammar or something like that make it about intelligence or i would have just changed his comment anyway right yeah because nobody else heard it yeah how did yeah hmm i still like well it's like she can expect to be hung as she got i'm like well why are you threatening some poor woman so you can lynch her <laughs> like what the f is wrong with you <laughs> their badges just say we don't lynch our faculty yeah <laughs> mistakes are allowed just i don't know something else to trash talk you know? Yeah. Like if they glommed onto grunges, just stuck with like grunges or something. Right. Be like, like when, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like their, their mascot, they have gritty. That horrible. <laughs> or, they, or they just have like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> you've, you've heard of gritty, right? You've seen him? I think so. He's this horrible hockey, like like the Philadelphia has now for like their, their hockey um, mascot. Is this big, crazy orange thing called gritty. <laughs> You should look up um, John Oliver talking about it. Okay. Especially since he's English and says gritty. Gritty. Because <laughs> he pronounces the T's. Gritty. Well, we're like gritty. Yeah, gritty. All our T's sound like D's. Like how mountain is mountain. Mountain, yeah. They, M- say, they say mountain and I'm like, what's yeah. the matter with you? M-O-U-N apostrophe Ed. It's like mountain. I saw this like this English production, like um, YouTube, they had like this... um. English production 
of a wicked mm-hmm. and there's like a song called one short day in the emerald city they're like one short day and you're like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like why are they saying it like that and then all the english people in the comments are like because we actually speak english there's t's in that word and i'm like okay but like there's r's in words and you don't say those so stay in your line bitch <laughs> so chapter 10 uh mr singh and alinsky are talking about she drives a handicap van Sorry, I, I'm going to end up hijacking this yeah. for, like, a thought. But um, she was talking about how, she, like, like, like when Olinsky and Draper worked together in the school, Draper was a uh, a widow. She's like, well, now I am, too. Was Mr. Olinsky in the car? Because she said she was a passenger at the time the, the, the and the car crashed. Probably. So was he... Yeah, that, she didn't really... That was another one that's, like, we weren't spoon-fed that fact. So I kind of, like, had to yeah. pass it for a bit, like, oh, damn. And she never, like... Has any, like, moment where she thinks about him or anything. Yeah, so he, she was basically like, honestly, driving wasn't the difficult part. It was becoming a passenger again. Right, having to trust someone else to get you somewhere. And he said it often takes more courage to be a passenger than a driver. And I wrote, I'm the bravest person ever. Also Mara. (laughs) (laughs) We can't drive. And Ryan's a coward because now he has his license. Boo! Boo! (laughs) You can't can't sit with us. I didn't really write any more notes in the last bit because we talked about the how ridiculous the magical realism is. You talked about liking the last line a lot. I was expecting the phrase, the view from Saturday or some variation to appear in the text because usually when you have one of those slightly obscure titles, it does. I mean, it, you can kind of figure it out because they meet on Saturday and that's where they're kind of themselves. So it's just kind of, it's kind of how their lens shifts when they're around people that they can trust and that help them and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was just an interesting point that that phrase is never used or anything like that because I would have expected it. I've had plenty of titles that didn't actually appear in the yeah in the book. I mean, that's pretty unusual for children's lit. Yeah. Because usually that shows up in the text. So, yeah. I think I am going to knock it down to a three. Yeah. It's like a three-star asterisk for me because usually when I say three-star, it's like, it was fine, but with this one, it's because everything was so extreme. I loved so much of it, and yeah. then I was really frustrated with so many other yeah. things. They just kind of whoop. Yeah, so it averages out to yeah. like a three. Yeah. Because like Penderwicks was a three just because I was having a pleasant time the whole time. Yeah, it was that just... was consistent. Yeah. The quality of that was consistent throughout. Yeah, it just never hit any incredible highs yeah. to go above But that. this one did, and then... So, yeah, that's the book. Uh, we read this because we had read... Well, I had read Mixed Up Files of Baisley Frankel, and I remember loving that in elementary school. Um, I, I don't read, know if... I read some of it. Yeah. It disappeared from my uh, e-reader. So oh, I, no. <laughs> like, it had, it had, like, the first chapter, and then, like, the rest of it wasn't there, and I was like, I've downloaded this. Where is it? Uh, so, for next month, we are going to be reading Kelly Barnhill's The Girl Who Drank the Moon, which is a relatively recent title. Yeah. 20... What was it? 15, 16? I think 16? it was 2016. Let me take a peek. Oh my god, I got a signed one! Oh my gosh! <laughs> That's so cool! Ah! It's like when I got the signed copy of school, except yours is cooler. Because it's hardcover and yeah. really pretty. It says, To Lauren, a most magical girl. And then signed by Kelly Barnhill. That's awesome. I wish my name was Lauren. 2016. Okay, so we are going to be reading that for next month. So, Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh and produced by Josh. Music is provided by Ben Ash. You can visit him at benash.com and you can contact us at HFK Podcast on Twitter or HFK 
podcast at gmail.com. There's still no Facebook. Do we want a Facebook? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, One more thing before we go. We are on Goodreads now. It's, I think it's just Hello Fellow Kids. And if you want to check us out and see what we're reading next, if you forgot when listening or whatever, uh, you can come say hello and we'll say, who are you and how did you find this? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, come check us out. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.